and welcome to episode 166 of the Red Box Report, your weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. And I'm your co-host, Joel Phelan. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing 10 Cloverfield Lane, as well as going over the top 10 movies we watched during our recent hiatus. So, Joel, we're back one week. I hit the microphone again. God damn it. Uh, one <laughs> week from our return, and it feels pretty good to get back in the routine. Yeah, definitely. It's good to have. You never know how much you like really like something until you're away from it for a while. True yeah. words. True words have never been spoken ever in history. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but 10 Cloverfield Lane, I think, is the perfect movie since, you know, we did Game of Thrones last week and that was a lot of fun i think we had a fun yeah. time recording that so if you haven't already check that out definitely check that episode out but getting back to what we do best movie reviews and i just think 10 cloverfield lane is a really good movie to get back to it because it's a movie at least i know i was looking forward to it was like came out of nowhere they announced the release like a month or two before it was supposed to come out. I was going to say, it was like two months, yeah. almost on the news, I think. Had an awesome trailer, I think we talked about on pre-judgment day back in the day. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this seems like the right fit for the return. Very uh, polarizing movie, uh, review-wise. Or like, maybe not critically, I'm not sure about that. But It has a 90%. Like when I asked people. Well, I just mean when I yeah, ask yeah, yeah. people about this movie, they either like totally didn't get it and hated it, or a majority of the people liked it, though. Yeah, I think it's like there's a vocal minority, you know. It's yeah, one of those where I'd agree. the people that didn't like it, they're going to let you know that they didn't like it, whereas... They really didn't like it. For yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so 10 Cloverfield Lane is the pseudo-sequel or prequel or sidequel of... Cloverfield, the 2008 J.J. Uh, Abrams. No, not J.J. Abrams produced it, but the guy that did uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Matt Reeves, directed the first Cloverfield, a movie that I loved. I saw it, a preview screening. It's like one of the first movies I ever saw before it was released in theaters, and I just thought the it was one of the best found footage movies, one of the best disaster movies ever made. What did yeah, you think? I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I love the concept of found footage movies, but I haven't really liked many. And this is one that really blew me away. It had a good balance of uh, atmosphere and kind of action. And I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. I mean, I think they did a good job of getting across the danger and the the uh, terror that this monster is calling causing but without showing too much but then they do show enough to where you're not like pissed off that they're not showing anything and yeah I don't know they just balanced it really well I think uh, it's like I said just as far as execution wise with the found footage genre it's like Blair Witch Project Cloverfield and Troll Hunter are like the three best that I can think of off the top of my head and, Clo- and uh chronicle as well yeah it's sort of like a like a cooler concept of godzilla type thing yeah i think that would be cool it's like something like that from someone's point of view 
Exactly, because it really shows the sense of scale from the human uh, height versus the monster site. Plus, in the Godzilla movie, at least the new one, I was complaining that you didn't see enough Godzilla. At least in Cloverfield, it makes sense why you're not seeing as much of the monster as you are, whereas in Godzilla, they could choose to show as much or little as they want. Yeah, uh, speaking of, have you seen that movie that's all in first person? Forget what it's called. Hardcore Henry? Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. I heard it's like a video game come to life. Yeah, it's actually... I don't know. It's a it's a full-length movie. I've seen, seen like 20-minute chunks of it, like online. It's really cool action, but I don't know. C- cool concept. I might actually check it out now. Yeah. About it. Maybe we'll, re- we'll review it or talk about it at some point down the line. Yeah. One of the with, uh, hundreds of movies we could catch up on. Yeah. I have a feeling that it's not going to be the great movie, but it could be a movie that's sort of uh, sort of like a trailblazer for the future. You know? Yeah. I mean, from Maybe what I've figure heard... Figure out how to use 360 cameras or yeah. whatever. They do, like, all their own stunts, and uh, I heard if you're a gamer, you should like it, which yeah. uh, you are. I Very much used so. to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, back to 10 Cloverfield Lane. This is directed by Dan Trachtenberg. It's his, I think it's his feature-length directorial debut. Uh, again, produced by J.J. Abrams, starring John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher Jr. It's, you kind of, it takes a long time before you really wa- start to realize why this is connected to the Cloverfield universe. I guess mild spoilers alerts ahead, but yeah, I mean the title in the trailer kind of give it away. Um, Just a bit. But the movie starts off. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is is gets in a car accident and abducted by John Goodman, taken into a a bunker underground where her and John Gallagher Jr. are pretty much his captives, but. It's more friendly than that sounds, and he's yeah. the whole movie is basically you're trying to figure out is if he's crazy or not because he says, you know, I did this to protect you. It's a lot going on out there, so you know we got to stay in here for as long as possible. And it's about her just coming to grips with everything, trying to escape. Or should she, should she not, all that stuff. Yeah, I really like how this movie, with everything, even if you do kind of, like, say you assume when you're watching in the beginning, you kind of like, you know, you try to kind of figure movies out in your head a little bit. Even if you do guess the right thing, the movie kind of messes with you enough that it's not the obvious answer, or, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I know what you're saying. It, it does. Yeah, I'm not explaining it the right way, but you kind of know what the answer is. But John Goodman is so good as this guy, and can be so likable at times that you want to believe the other thing. And yeah, it, it, it almost makes you doubt what's probably what's almost definitely true. Exactly, and I think the same thing happens to the audience with that as as the same as the character in the movie. Cause yeah, I agree. She knows, but then there are things, and she likes the uh, the other guy she's captured with, 
enough and starts to believe what he says, even though she has to know that. Yeah. It's, yeah. And there's an interesting dynamic with the fact that one guy like willingly came. Yeah. And there's sort of a weird thing with she was sort of abducted, but he did save her life. Yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah. It's they definitely got off on the wrong foot. Yeah. <laughs> Chained up and creepy. Even the guy. One guy says when he first meets her, uh, the room with the creepy door or something. Yeah. Uh, I like this movie a lot. I didn't love it as much as I was hoping to, but I definitely liked it quite a bit. Yeah. So did I. I uh. Like, I liked how they made it so, like, when they're sitting down eating, it's so, like, friendly and family-like, but it's kind of, like, symbolic or contrasting what the actual tension is. Yeah. It's, like, it's a lot of tension. There's a lot of slow burn build-up. It's almost like a horror, drama, sci-fi mix. it keeps you on the edge of your seat, even when it's not, like, uh, any much action going on. Yeah. The dynamics between these characters are very interesting as they develop. Uh, I think the acting is incredible. John Goodman. Yeah. He's perfect in this role. Love John Goodman. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, always solid. She does a great job of being believable in that position. And yeah, um, John Gallagher Jr., he's pretty good, too, as he was in Short Term 12, which was really good, and here he is again. He's probably the weakest of the three, but still liked him. Yeah, I mean, he did pretty good with what they gave him, you know? Mm-hmm. He's sort of there almost to just sort of lighten it up and kind of be a, kind of an anchor for her. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into what the... St- Spoilery part of the story is, or yeah, I mean, I think it's fair game at this point. We're just now again, spoiler alert if you're super sensitive, you might want to watch the movie and come back or skip ahead, whatever you feel is best. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. So, uh, you hear him talk about these crazy conspiracies and you're still kind of unsure of whether he actually saved her. Or abducted her. And then she makes a break for it. It gets to like an airlock type door. And what were they telling him originally? That there's a disease or something out there? And then yeah. he talks about like there might be alien hit squads or something. <laughs> it was like an airborne thing. The attack from whoever. Either yeah. aliens or like the Russians or, <laughs> or Chinese or whatever. I feel like so it she gets halfway out, yeah, and sees someone that's like clearly infected and trying to get in. There's this whole dramatic thing, don't let her in, blah blah blah. Yeah. So she just like kind of stabbed him and tried to run off, and then has to like face the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that happens like multiple times. Yeah. So there's sort of like this tug of war, and I guess like the main other plot point is. The generator goes out at some point, and she has to climb up to it. It's like a oh, separate yeah, room. Yeah. 
and then they find out that throughout this thing they keep seeing these little breadcrumbs that like there was another girl there or something like that and you sort of do figure out that he is a creepo like abductor of some sort yeah or something like that something like his daughter must have died young and he couldn't deal and maybe that's when he broke mentally and he's yeah, had they don't to really but answer. yeah they don't put it that but you can kind of uh, like gain and gather a lot from a little which i think was yeah cool. you sort of make the same assumption that the characters do. yeah seems like a repeated thing that he's doing with that yeah then he he totally cracks uh, kills one of the characters. That was the best moment of the movie. That was the best. <laughs> yeah. That was so crazy. Much tension. Sort of like this huge, re- not release of tension, but yeah, it was, it was a like build up. a valve just broke off of something, smashed you in the face, woke you up. And the, I felt like from that point on in the movie was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was like, oh God, the tension. It's, here we go again. They're building tension, but then it's like out of nowhere. Just shoots him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> like, boom. There you go. <laughs> and then it's like somewhat calm for a second, right? And then the struggle happens. Yeah. Cause and he's... long story short, she escapes. Yeah. And then the aliens come. Or Yeah. And then the other part of his conspiracies are like proven true after she gets outside that there's alien hit squads. <laughs> yeah, it's like so bizarre. It's like he, yeah, you were right. He is a monster. And he was right <laughs> at the same time. Like, there yeah. was no happy medium there. There's this very gray, dark grayness to the character. Yeah. Uh, John Goodman plays. Like, he is He is kind of a bad guy, but... He's also sympathetic he's at lying. times. And, yeah, he's yeah. right about a lot of stuff. Which is so uh, you you do see the aliens as she drives away, and they kind of hint at. I don't know if it's hinting at a sequel, but well, I think they ended on a character note. Like she, her whole thing is she always running away from her problems, and then they literally yeah. have to say, "Well, that's just changed because she's headed right for the shit when she doesn't have to." But she kind of did have to. If the aliens are taking over, like. She can't, where's yeah, she what choice hide? do you really have? Yeah, you're either exactly. going to face it head on or you're going to keep running until you eventually get... Yeah, I was going to say, uh, the ending, a lot of people said sequel. I thought maybe, but I thought it was more representative of yeah. the journey. I think the, what they want to do is keep spinning it off in different directions. Almost like yeah, I, I would totally be cool with that. Like a weird James Bondish type thing. Yeah, or like Twilight like Zone even. Or yeah, oh yeah, that's a much better example. Just like a... Th- Diff- like a theme of of other things. Like, series of concept yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't have to all be connected, like, explicitly, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe if they do do something like that down the line, if they do connect a few of them, but I wouldn't be too hell-bent on yeah. really and, um, putting them all together like that. Yeah, I thought the movie had a good pace to it, like... Every time you thought, okay, it's kind of slowing down, something would happen. There would be a scene like the guy, Dan Trachtenberg, he's throwing a lot of tricks. He's on the screen, like, he's got some good cinematography. He's got story points he wants to get to, like the whole creepy 
what is it, board game when they're playing, or what was it? Yeah. Uh, where he think, uh, he's they keeps calling. Life. Yeah, he keeps calling her uh, the little girl, and they're like, uh, she's yeah. clearly an adult. <laughs> or when they think again, they're playing a game, and they think he's like on to them, their escape plan, <laughs> but he's really just talking about something else with a game. And I thought that was a great moment of building the tension and then letting it kind of fade. Yeah, and there's, I feel like there's so many different ways you can uh, kind of make that brand. Like, just, like off the top of my head, you could do something about like wartime, like civilians waiting for like an invasion to happen, or even like the soldiers just sort of in a bunker or something like that. Or <laughs> exactly. Just saying, it doesn't have to be sci-fi necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's also kind of and- crazy if you think about it, like. The terror that they were going through on the inside of the bunker, they should have just been yeah. happy to go through that because the terror on the outside was even worse. Like, sometimes the devil you know. <laughs> they should have just went along with it. Or they could even do something like on the flip side, like out in the wilderness, like something like hunting a person, like very slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, have a twist. Maybe it's people or maybe it's whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I, and I like. What do you think of the setting? Like the whole movie's pretty much inside the bunker. Like, do you yeah. think they get, did a good enough job with a limited location to make it interesting enough? Because I kind of could go either way. I, I was for the most part, but they they could have done a lot more with. I feel like movies like that, the setting sort of has to be a character. Yeah. And they didn't really utilize the the functional aspect of where they were, I feel like. Yeah. I felt like, on the good side, it definitely felt claustrophobic. Like, it felt yeah. constrained. It felt You could feel how the paranoia would just expound upon itself because, you know, it's almost like being in the Big Brother house. You can't escape from these people you hate or whatever. Um, times 100. But at the same time, I felt like it was a little one note as far as visually. Like, it was kind of grayish. And there were moments where they were able to change that a bit. But for the most part, it was kind of dark and ugly. It wasn't very visually uh, creative. Yeah, even for the setting that it was. Like, you would expect it to be kind of bland looking, but it wasn't in a good way. Yeah. I actually thought it looked much better when she got outside. Yeah, I agree. At least when it was still light out. When it was light out was my favorite. Then it kind of got dark and it was back to that same kind of vibe. But yeah. What did you I was th- going to say, though, I thought they could have done a better job of building some tension from the outside. Like, yeah. Like they kind of, you hear some bangs every so often, but it would have been cool if you actually heard people. Or if they had the radio tuned in more to, like, because once she got in that car, she heard a beacon, like, yeah, it'd be like Fighting Orson Welles' uh, War of the Worlds or something. Yeah, I can't remember if they ever do listen to a radio while they're in there or not, but if they <laughs> yeah, do, it's remember. not really... Or maybe it's I like... I don't remember an, it. I think they had a record player or something, right? But yeah, not radio. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But just a guy that that's, that's, that is that prepared, the fact that he didn't have a radio. Oh, he's super like, prepared because he's got a freaking vat of acid sitting there to melt down somebody. 
Yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, he's Same thought of everything. <laughs> what did you think of, like, the special effects work as far as, like, the spaceship and the actual aliens themselves? I thought it was good enough for what it, it was. Agreed. Like, it's not like it was a main focal point of the movie. Yeah, I would agree. I actually wish that the last 15-20 minutes was longer. I actually liked that stuff better. Even though I liked the stuff inside, maybe I wish it was half more half and half because it kind of mixed it up a little bit. Yeah, it, but I, it makes I like me wonder, is this out on DVD? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course yeah, yeah. it is. Oh. <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I rented it on Xbox. Yeah. And they had a sale. Um... I was going to say, I wonder if a movie like this has a lot of deleted scenes, since it being dialogue and. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I actually, I, I like this director. I it, it's his directorial debut, but I I definitely see potential here. Obviously, he was given a good script to work with and great actors and a good concept. But if I, I remember correctly, Cloverfield was Abrams' directorial for a movie. No, um, I think Mission Impossible 3 was. He didn't direct, like I said, he, Matt Reeves directed Cloverfield. He was producer. Oh, really? I thought maybe, maybe that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. What did J.J. Abrams He definitely do, like, has a huge amount. And- yeah, I think he did. TV and TV, shows. like he helped create Lost. And I mean, he definitely had a huge hand in both of these movies as far as. Okay. I just happened. remember hearing something like that. I think I. Now that I think of it, it was just like, check out this cool movie, the trailer for this cool movie, Cloverfield, mm-hmm. made by It Lost. Right. Yeah. And I think he had a big like music video or something weird like that that he did, because it was like, I don't know, empty. Anyway, off track. <laughs> yeah, the last Nostalgia. real thing I could say about it was that the score was really good. I thought that helped the tension tremendously was the score and the build up and Everything about it. like it wasn't amazing, but it did its job. Yeah, I. It's been a little while since I. I can't think of what it sounds like off the top of my head, but I do remember liking it. Mm-hmm. It's that's the thing with the score. It's kind like, of crucial in a movie like this. It's um, it because a good score will just become like seamlessly into the movie, like you barely even notice it, but you just it's a feeling, it's a vibe. Yeah, there's. There's like some movies that I like for the score. Like maybe they're okay movies, but I probably like them a lot more than I should just because. That's how I feel about that movie Tron. Although that wasn't a horrible movie, but eh, yeah. I thought um, <laughs> I really liked Daft Punk, and I thought it was cool they did like an orchestra. Well, Jesus, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, that, that, and I mean movie. that's a great movie by itself, but the score is, takes it to another level. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those, you guys have probably heard it, even if you haven't seen that movie. Yeah. they it became used, popular for, like, pump-up, like, sports. And, yeah, they use it for, like, MLB on Fox and stuff. Yeah. It's so weird. But, yeah. Uh, what would you give Turn Cloverfield Lane? Give it a... Give it a solid seven and a half. I almost give it an eight, but the setting... And all that being a little bit boring. Yeah. Solid movie, though. Totally recommend seeing it. Yeah, you almost gave it an 8. I will give it an 8. I liked Ooh. it quite a bit. Like I said, it just... 
something was missing. I can't put my finger on it exactly. It's just, it was really good, but I yeah, never connected to it. There was a piece or two it. of the puzzle that was not there. Yeah, but definitely glad I watched it. And yeah, for sure. uh, looking forward to what's next in the Cloverfield franchise, if it does become that. Absolutely. But let's move on to our top five, slash, actually, it's a top ten on this episode. But since we were out for about two, two and a half months, we theoretically had a lot of time to watch a lot of movies, TV shows, stuff like that. So instead of having like a monster what else we watch segment, we'll just tie it into the top ten. And yeah. it's going to be our top ten movies that we watched on hiatus. So kick it off, Joel. What was the tenth best thing you watched? Jeez. Um, speaking of which, I don't think these are really going to be in order for me. Okay. Maybe I'll have the ones I like the most at the top, but yeah. for the most part, it's, it's not a definitive. Not exactly the. Uh, we're mixing TV and movies, and but we just had to have some kind of structure to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I will start it off with the Brothers Grimsby. All right, um, is this Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah. All right, love that guy. He is basically, uh, I think he's Noel Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Then I gotta see it. That's a I, he really he. That's who his character's based off. He's got the haircut and all that. He's not like a rock star of any sort, but just a Manchester kid. Yeah, he's a hoodlum, and it's uh, they're two brothers who separated, like in foster care, and one brother ends up being a spy, and he ends up being a drunk like hood rat type yeah. dude and I don't know I can't really describe it's so the movie is just hilarious because it's graphic yeah all I can all I remember is uh, Jim when he was on Jimmy Kimmel trying to promote it and they didn't they wouldn't even show it yeah, yeah they just showed that. the audience's reaction or whatever well that scene is they kind of say something about an elephant and they both hide in the womb <laughs> elephant and heat. Okay. And the male comes over. Oh. And it's very, very descriptive and graphic <laughs> in how they show that. And then it ends up being a Congo line, like running the train. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is. So that's basically the movie. Like, it's just thing after thing. It's got some heart to it. It's not the best movie in the world, but it's pretty hilarious if you're into the. Uh, Sasha Baron Conan or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, isn't it something with Daniel Radcliffe, but he's not actually in the movie? Uh, he has Sam, AIDS or something? Oh, I think he... Uh, I can't really remember. This is one of the earlier things I watched. I can't remember if it's it this out. movie I heard it about or if it was a different movie, but... I think something it's something so. different. Okay. Alright. Well, my number ten is Valhalla Rising. One of uh, a few movies ago from Nicholas Winding Refn, whose new movie, The Neon Demon, just came out in theaters recently, and I was just continuing to try to get caught up with his movies. He directed Drive and Only God Forgives and the Pusher Trilogy. Really good, and Bronson as well. Um, he's a really good 
Danish director who his movies have you you seen Drive right? Yeah. His movies are very stylish but cold and brutal and I don't know he just has this unique style that I kind of like and Valhalla Rising is almost like if you took Game of Thrones and let him direct a chapter from the book or or a few chapters from the book at least in the beginning because it's like this old timey thing where this warrior is captured it's almost like when Jamie Lannister is captured by the Starks he's just yeah. Oh, is this the thing? Oh, never mind. Uh, I just started watching a BBC show that's uh, it's like about the Danes versus the English, and the boy gets captured and raised as a Viking, essentially. Oh, really? What it's called? Yeah. Well, this is more to. like uh, it's this this guy played by Mads Mikkelsen, who's like got a scar. I can't remember if he's like blind in one eye or something, but he's like incredible warrior but this is like uh, i guess you would call it uh the, when the christians were going around trying to conquer oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah and it's what just like so quiet it's just beautiful cinematography just like super realistic like what these people would just be going through like on a day by day super quiet like i said and it just it kind of goes to some weird places yeah. i liked it for what it was uh, but not my favorite Nicholas Winding Refn movie, but I'm glad I watched it. Cool. Um, number nine. I'll do uh, Bill Murray. Rock the what's it? The Rock the Kabash. Rock the Casbah. Casbah. Yes. I uh, I got yeah. Whatever. I misspelled it. I had it scribbled. <laughs> Rock um, the K. Uh, we watched this pre-Judgment Day. Yep. You didn't have high hopes. I high thought hopes it were looked not. like it could be funny. Overall, I gotta say, this is a uh, kind of underrated movie. It's right. not great by any means, but you got Bill Murray being Bill Murray. He's a uh, a retired or just more so washed up never has been a music promoter guy, like tour manager. That's what Mm -hmm. he really is. Tells all these crazy stories of discovering people. Probably all bullshit. Gets his girl that he's managing in like karaoke bars and stuff. Signs a USO tour deal. And so they go to Afghanistan. And she bails on him with his money, his passport, and... It's about him finding a village girl to sing on a, like, Afghan star, like, Afghan-American idol. Okay. And it's just uh, about him cutting deals and all this crazy antics getting to and from. Uh, it's got some cameos by uh, Bruce Willis. Um, I can't Danny McBride. And, oh, uh, cool. One of the guys from uh, Ready to Rumble. It's um, and it's sort of based on a true story. It's about a girl. You know, women can't really do anything in Afghanistan or whatnot, or at least parts. And she had the courage to actually go up and sing on it. Nice. They have like a tribute to her at the end, but the movie actually has some heart. 
it's it's worth to watch if you got nothing else just kind of want to watch a pretty lighthearted comedy like it seems like good like background noise if it comes on HBO in a year or so yeah yeah it's a you won't regret watching it is what I say it, I'd probably give it a six yeah that's about uh, what I give Valhalla Rising yeah although that's much more difficult to watch I'm sure Brothers uh, Grimsey probably a six and a half by the way alright cool my number nine is X-Men Apocalypse, a movie I actually saw in theaters. Actually, I went and saw uh, four movies in theaters in our hiatus, more than I probably saw in the year before that. This is <laughs> the one I said earlier in the year that if I see go out and see any of these superhero movies, it'd be X-Men. Did you go? I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. Um, I love the X-Men franchise. You drafted this movie in the summer box office draft. It's doing okay. Not as good as you might have expected, but... 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. I still was going in with pretty high expectations because I like Oscar Isaac a lot, and he's playing Apocalypse, which is a cool villain from the comics. I like Brian Singer's X-Men movies. And I don't know. I just thought maybe people were getting burnt down on X-Men. And I do think they're being a little harsh. I don't think it's 48% bad, but... Yeah. Um, it's kind of a letdown, I guess, to some people. Yeah, it was a letdown to me. It's one of my least favorite X-Men movies, but that's... I still liked it. I st- it still had its moments. It was more of a... When it was good, it was really good, and when it was bad, it was like, oof, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. I um, love Olivia Munn, by the way. <laughs> I mean, wow. she l- looks good in her limited role here as Psylocke, but... What a waste of a character that was. Yeah. Um, like, did you see that video of her? With her or it's actually with Ryan Reynolds with her. She actually, like, learned how to do all that stuff with the sword. Like, For nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's yeah. what I heard. <laughs> I don't want to get too much into it because we'll, we'll be reviewing this in a few months, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to go too in-depth. Just to say I was disappointed, but it still had moments where it was like, uh, you know, classic good X-Men. It just had more downs than ups, and I thought Apocalypse himself was really... I don't know if you can do Apocalypse right, actually. Yeah. Just, he's almost too big, sort too powerful. Superman, bad guy. He was bad enough that I'm like, all of a sudden, oh shit, Avengers is not going to be able to pull off Thanos, are they? But we'll yeah. see. It has me worried, but we'll see. Well, I guess, although I didn't completely finish this, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Peaky Blinders. All right. Third season came out, I think, at the beginning of June. Who's the celebrity guest star on this one? um, Hardy was supposed to be in it. I don't know. He was in season two, right? Yeah. But maybe, I don't know, with The Revenant and all, maybe he couldn't do it. Yeah. Or maybe he comes in later. I can't remember who the actor is or whatnot. But from what I saw, I didn't love it. I think... Worst season yet? Yeah, I think maybe they... As much as I kind of wanted a third season to happen, maybe the show was better off with... It's not really made, like, if you actually watch the story and all. Or maybe, it, is it season four? I can't remember. <laughs> I, don't I can't know. remember if uh, 
when Hardy's in it, if that's a third season or not. But I thought it was six second, episode but... seasons. Yeah, I think you're right. But how it's all set up, it comes to a pretty cool, for the most part, conclusion, except the ending, which you can kind of tell they kind of did that later on, I think. But I don't know. Maybe I think this show just sort of maybe wore, to, wore out as welcome. This oh, is my personal opinion on an unfinished season. But still, I about it. and I love the first two seasons, by the way. I thought it's an amazing show. Yeah, I mean, but, even great shows can have a bad season or just fall off yeah. the cliff, even. <laughs> so I'm not going to give it an actual rating. And if I feel different about it, I'll check in. Cool. Look forward to it. My number eight is Back Kid Begins, the documentary that I just uh, I I put on Netflix when I had nothing to watch. What a mistake! Yeah. I mean, it's, look, this is the most vanilla move documentary there is. But if you know what it's about, it's about a uh, kid who gets cancer and then becomes Batman through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. It's why, why would I watch this? I have two kids. <laughs> like it's, it starts off. It's not it, like the document. It's not an amazing documentary. It's not a bad documentary. It just tells a story and uh, middle of the road. You know, easy to watch, <laughs> easy to digest way, but. I'm got tearing up five minutes into this thing when they're showing how they found out this kid has cancer and it's like, God damn it, <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah. And then it's pretty, you know, it's it's cool. It's not, there's not a whole lot to it. It was. I wish I would have picked something else, but I mean, at the same time, that is awesome that they did all that. And yeah, I was gonna say I think I've turned it on for a few minutes. It was on Netflix or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yep. And. I already knew about the story. Yeah, great exactly. Old, but the document, it was very kind of vanilla-y. Yep. And I didn't watch the whole thing, but usually things like that are more clips of everything that you've mostly seen already. Except for, I don't, I know they like interview the family. Besides that part, I just mean the whole actually doing it. But a lot of those things I usually get the vibe that they're more patting themselves on the back than. Yeah, a little bit. But, yeah, but I don't know. I'm it's not tricky. making that judgment for sure on this. I'm just saying that's why I turned yeah. it off. Yeah, did it need to be a documentary when there was already plenty of stuff about it out there? I don't know. But maybe they started recording the documentary before it blew up. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, it's an amazing story. But yeah, it is. But it's I'm a mediocre, really it mediocre documentary. Yeah. Easy, easy cry though. If you or yeah, and feel good too. It makes you feel good and all that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Would you recommend it or no? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> like the honesty. <laughs> all right. What are we on? Numero seven. Seven. Yep. <clears throat> um. Started watching, or how about I'll do this one? Uh, I watched Marco Polo's second season, and they did like a uh, like a 
not a mini series, but like a single episode about one of the other characters, the blind monk. Uh, they released that earlier in the year. But uh, I really, I enjoyed this first season. I think we, I talked about it mm-hmm. on the show. Um, it wasn't perfect, but I'm kind of a sucker for history, and it's sort of something that hasn't been touched, at least in our media. But Genghis Khan. We know him as like a marauding, like, death machine, but he was actually the first person to have a free open society, essentially. Like, uh-huh. he accepted all religions, encouraged it, encouraged science, but the ruling class had their own thing going on. They just sort of, uh, were like, they're uh, nomads, and so they worshipped the land, so they didn't really expect the people they conquered to understand, like, their religion, uh-huh. so... He yeah. actually like won it missionaries and all. So there's an awesome movie from 2007 called Mongol that uh, was about the rise of Genghis Khan. It's definitely worth checking out. I think I've seen uh, like the the art for it before. But I, you've seen it though? Yeah, I watched it when like year after it came out or something like that, and uh, I loved it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I want to check that out. It was. I, I thought it was supposed to be like a two or three part series because it's only. This is like the beginning of his. I didn't want to say career, but uh, <laughs> story. And I, I've. I don't know if they ever made any other ones. I, if there is, I got to check them out. But yeah, I nice. remember really, really liking it quite a bit. And so Marco Polo, I didn't even know it was anything to do with Genghis Khan. Yeah, he was a. Uh... That's how he became known as an explorer. Is he served twenty years or something in r- real life under him, and then made his way back the Silk Road, and I think he sailed there and then came across the Silk Road back. Okay. But um, so he wrote a lot of books on China and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. he became really known. So uh, anyway, the show, the second season, really builds. Uh, it's much better than the first one. Um, partially because it's not totally focused on Marco Polo. Like, I guess you could say he is still the main character. But, really, the politics of the Mongols and Genghis Khan and all that, he he's being challenged. Like, they hold elections. They're, I don't know, it's kind of complicated how they do their thing, but basically he's being challenged for the throne, and he's being double-crossed by one of his sons and it's all about the build up to that and I don't really want to give it away but uh it is definitely a good watch if you didn't like the first season I'd say give this one a chance and I think they set it up for a third season at the end as well cool I mean it's I think it's always interesting the politics of different cultures at different times like Game of Thrones there's that's like really some of the best stuff is just the politicking. Yeah, it's sort of... I don't want to compare it to Game of Thrones, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it has that kind of, like, chess piece. There's And there's not just, like, a good guy and bad guy side. It's kind of... He gets manipulated to make mistakes, and that helps the other guy challenging, but then, really, the Christians are going to double-cross them and do, like, a crusade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though he wants Christians to... Yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of cool. He's not like... He does horrible things, sort of. 
but he sort of has reasons to do them. I don't know. He's sort of, even if he is a bad person, you kind of like him. He's more good than bad, I guess. Cool. My number seven is another documentary called Finders Keepers, which is on Netflix. This is a story of a guy who, uh, I guess he's one of these guys that buys storage units and tries to, you know, like storage wars and tries to find good stuff and sell it and whatever. And he buys a storage unit. He He has a grill in there. He opens up the grill. And there's half of a human leg slash foot in the grill. And basically, the movie is like a comedy slash, I don't know. uh, But it's about this battle between the guy whose leg it was, who it was his storage unit that, you know, he didn't pay the bill, so it went up for a thing. And it's like this custody battle between the two of them. And the one guy who found it's like trying to use it to become famous and rich, and it shows how they were on like Judge Judy or Judge Duran or one of those kinds of shows <laughs> against each other, and just follows like the guy who lost his foot was a re- recovering alcoholic or something, and then went back on the stuff. And I don't know, it was a very weird, interesting documentary. Not as good as I had heard it was, in my opinion, but. Definitely worth uh, checking out if that sounded interesting at all. <laughs> it does sound pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting for sure. All right. Um, which one? Number six. six. All the way. Um, I believe this is the one that's Brian Cranston. Cranston being Lyndon B. Johnson. Oh, okay. Wasn't this a play? I think it was, but they made it a movie. Oh, okay. Um, because I had heard that he played him really well, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's just sort of a behind-the-scenes look at how he really was, and it's a lot about his interactions with like uh, Martin Luther King. I think. This has been probably, out of this whole list, this is probably like the first thing I watched. Yeah. Um, I think it's mostly about him trying to get uh, unsegregated schools and something, or the absolute right to vote or something like that. Because I think it used to be like state law. So there were states in the South that were either... I don't know. I don't. I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but basically, there are places in the South where either they couldn't register the vote, or they just made it so they couldn't show up. So it's a lot about that, and it's about him. Not even he doesn't even necessarily. I guess in the long run, he does like believe in the cause, but he's really just politically maneuvering. He's he's not necessarily the most sympathetic. The black people, but at the same time, I guess he realizes it's the best thing for his legacy. Yeah, well, he's the same guy from Selma, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh... So he he's on their side, but he's not, and it's about him being a complicated person, and he's kind of uh, over the top and 
talks of, like he'll just like start taking a shit and keep the door make the guys come over to the bathroom and like talk to him or yeah i have heard some weird things about him always in, talks in about how presence, big yeah. his dick is yeah <laughs> i actually have heard, uh heard something about how weird he was when it came to that yeah he's, he's got a real big personality which i guess it's almost like uh it sort of makes up for his faults. It's sort of like, oh man, like Lyndon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how he is, or whatever. But it's really well acted. Um, pretty fascinating movie. Um, I forget who plays uh, Martin Luther King. I think it's uh, uh. Anyway, I can't remember. But I totally recommend this movie. I I think I'd give it an eight out of ten. Nice. I'd like to go back and watch it again, but. Definitely a cool movie. Sounds good. My number six is Queen of Earth, another movie you can find on Netflix. This is starring uh, Elizabeth, no, not Elizabeth Olsen, uh, from Mad Men. Her name is something Olsen, and I'm going to figure it out right this second. Elizabeth Moss. That's what it is. <laughs> and she plays this girl who is going to her friend's, like, uh, summer beach house or summer vacation, I guess, house. Her friend's family must be rich. And you kind of learn more through flashback about what's going on. But basically, they're going there. She's depressed. She just broke up with her boyfriend of a long time. And she's going there with her friend to just kind of relax and get away from it all but it seems like everything her friend is doing and just making her more anxious and depressed and kind of lose her mind and then you slowly learn that through flashbacks that a year before that she was supposed to go to her same friend's uh summer house i guess you would call it and took her boyfriend unannounced so her friend was a third wheel the whole time and then you kind of start to realize this is revenge for that and it's just like a whole look on mental illness and uh, this w- woman's psyche slowly going insane as uh, she can't sleep and that she's secluded. Uh, I thought it was really well done. Um, not exactly the most accessible, uh, easy to watch movie, but I thought it was very interesting and really well done. The acting is great. I like the use of flashback to slowly learn more and more as you go on, but uh, I'd recommend it for sure. I'd probably give it like a heavy 7.5 out of 10. Nice. Right, check that out. Um, what are we, a number 5? Number 5. We're into the top 5. I watched the first two seasons of Silicon Valley. Alright, I've seen like half of the first season. Yeah, that's how I was too. I watched like two or three episodes. Um... The second season's much better, I think, than the first. I have heard that. Um, but it, uh, the basic premise, this guy works at like a, a Google equivalent. He's sort of the black sheep, I guess, but he sort of unknowingly develops something incredible for search engine speed and whatnot. Tries to start his own company and get a big startup company going company mm-hmm. um and it's a comedy 
and it's about their ups and downs of trying to land the deal and get it developed and dealing with all of them their offices in their house and um, are you, are you gonna I, keep I don't watching? know the, any of the actors names it's on HBO by the way yeah are you going to keep going with it yeah uh, season 3 I'm just going to I think wait I for like it, it oh wait not, it is over isn't it it's only 30 or 40 minutes yeah episodes TJ Miller's in it TJ Miller that's who I was I couldn't think of what his name is yeah they, all the and guys have recognizable faces, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's just an easy watch, man. It's funny. It's, it's not like an incredible, really deep thing. It's just pretty lighthearted fun in a cool setting. You know. Yeah, it was definitely a show that I would have kept watching, but it just was like, it just fell off my. I like radar. it better than Beep. I'll say that. All right. Or and I like Veep, so. Yeah. It, I'd like Veep, too, but I think I would watch this over that. So that would be, like, my comparison. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, my number five is Pixar's latest. Another one I saw in theaters with the family, uh, with the wife and daughter. It's Finding Dory. And it's like... Did they find her? Oh, you found her. <laughs> <laughs> and you flounder. Under okay, um, it's it's good. I mean, it's good. It's like I'd say middle of the pack. Like it's more lighthearted than a typical Pixar movie, but it it has its moments and it's ironically forgettable. Really, I mean, the fish has short-term memory loss, and it hasn't been that long since I've seen it, and I'm having some memory loss on this one, but. (laughs) <laughs> I'll have to revisit it before we review it. But, yeah, I mean, it's if you have kids, you definitely have to see it. It's killing it at the box office. Like, it's probably going to be the biggest movie of the summer, at least domestically. And uh, I don't know if it deserves that, but it's it's definitely a fun little movie. Yeah. I, I didn't really like Finding Nemo that much, so I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I like Finding Nemo. I like Pixar Nemo. movies, but it's not a bad movie. I just didn't like it nearly as much as, like, mm-hmm. other people. I did my big ranking on Baltimore Sports and Life of the Pixar movies. I think I had Finding Nemo around between 7 and 9, and this was, like, a little bit under that. That's fair. Yeah. Yep. So what's your number four? Number four-ski. A documentary, uh, also on Netflix, um, called Rolling Papers. It's about... The um, I think it's the Denver Post is what their Denver's big newspaper's called. And when they voted on the referendum to legalize recreational marijuana and start stores and all that, they decided to hire an editor in the newspaper to cover like like they do lifestyle thing like like food or something like that and make all these columns and reviews and and it's just about kind of the journey that they go through of kind of finding something that's kind of has a stigma but is legal and it's kind of trying to make it more casual and keep people informed help the newspaper and it's just it's pretty fascinating if you're even halfway interested in the subject it's a it's a pretty well made documentary it's just about 
him hiring this editor and how his first year goes. And at the end of the year, the guy who runs the paper is like very pleased. Nice to continue, and it's just cool. You see the meetings and people being like still kind of on the side. Like I can't believe this happened. Like four twenty was on Easter, and they have this big amphitheater that they do mass at. And the editor-in-chief or whatever said something along the lines of, should we send one of these other guys over? Like, how many people do you think are going to be token at uh, the Mass, Easter Mass? And <laughs> some of the ladies are like, zero, like none. And when you go, you actually see the video of them going there, and there's all these people outside with, like, shirts, like, bong hits for Jesus. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> and even the guy was like, I don't know, man. Easter morning, get breakfast, get a little buzz, hear pastor or whatever, speak a little Jesus. I don't think it gets better than that. <laughs> and I don't know, it's pretty, it doesn't really have an opinion or try to put anything on you. It's just about what they're doing and just kind of like on broken ground. Nice. So all right. I'd recommend seeing it. It's all right. All right. My number four, this will be quick, um, it's the latest season of Survivor, ended in uh, during the hiatus. It was season 32, uh, what was it called, um, Bra- it was Brains vs. Beauty vs. Bronze Part 2, um, thought it was a solid season, enjoyable, started off strong, had a good middle, and it kind of uh, petered out a little bit towards the end thought the the wrong person won at first but then the more i hear with uh, through rob as a podcast interviews with the contestants and all i really like the winner when it all is said and done michelle she's pretty cool um i don't think the show did her many favors as far as her edit to show her like make it look like she was deserving but uh, and just she mostly just used her social game instead of strategy so that's harder to show anyway but uh, another solid season of the best show on television. Right. Okay, not the best show, but my favorite show, probably. <laughs> I know you like yourself some uh, Big Brother. Yeah, well, I actually say I like Survivor more than Big Brother now. Really? Yeah. but Easier to watch and yeah, digest I just, strategy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's more high quality, like... I don't know. It's, Big Brother's just getting goofier and goofier where Survivor, like... I don't know. It yeah. takes itself more seriously, I but feel not like Survivor too seriously. is more game show, reality show, and I mean, from what I see, Big Brother is more about like the reality cattiness and playing a game. Along yeah. The way. Don't get me wrong. I actually think Big Brother is the better game, but I just like the production values and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. And the fact that it's um, one episode a week. It's all recorded. Like they already know going in. Who yeah. wins? So it's basically the editors trying to tell the story of this winner or these people. So I don't know. It's more like it's like better curate it. Yeah, yeah. And I like the uh, a real big part of my enjoyment of these shows is Rob as a podcast is probably my it's not probably it's my favorite podcast. It's just hours and hours of breaking down every episode. So I, I don't know. I I like the oh, Survivor cool. coverage more than the Big Brother coverage. So that kind of goes into it as well. Cool. Uh, my number three is 
another TV show that I haven't quite finished yet. Uh, Mr. Robot. I started watching it because the second season's about to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw the first episode. It, it's about hackers. It, I guess it's sort of being anonymous without being anonymous, but there's a story flushed out. I think it's eventually it's sort of about uh, like kind of stealing a lot of money from the biggest company in the world, even the economic divide or whatnot. But it's interesting. Uh, I'm not sold on it yet, but it's an interesting enough concept and visually stimulating enough that I'm willing to keep watching it and which episode are you give it a chance Uh, six maybe okay so you got without spoiling it I mean I haven't seen it that far but have you gotten to the twist I don't think so okay well apparently from what I heard it gets real fucked up and good after the twist I think which I think is the end of season six I mean episode six or something like that very cool so uh, from what I hear, season two, which is that started, the re- early reviews are good for that as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I didn't really know too much. I saw the trailer for the second season, so I have a hunch. And knowing what they could probably take from in real life, I have a hunch that I know somewhat what oh, the twist is going to cool. be. But I mean, I want to catch up with the show eventually, but it's. Not a high priority for me. I wanna... Yeah, I was going to say, don't go like out of your way, but it, it, it's a decent watch from what I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, I still got to watch the rest of Bloodline, Orange is the New Black, Season 4. I haven't even got started, so. Yeah. But I was hoping to catch up in time for Season 2, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a good show. I don't mind having stuff in the back of the watch. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole season. Yeah, but for me, it's like I said, I listen to podcasts of the shows I watch, so it is nice to be caught up so I can kind of yeah listen to that in between. It helps like pass the time between episodes so it doesn't feel quite as long as a wait. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Line number three, season two of Better Call Saul, which ended... Oh, okay. Very, like, I feel like a week or two after we stopped recording, but... It was very, very good. I would was it? S- yeah, it really was. Um, I think season three is set up to be really good, <laughs> shooting off and going into some bigger and better stuff. But very season cool. two, still very funny. It, the only thing is, like, it's like two different shows in one. Mike, it's his story, is more of the Breaking Bad action, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. And then... Saul, which, it's hard to say which one I like more, because I like them both, but his is more just like a a comedy with some aspects in it. But I I think it's really good. It's finding its footing. I was going to say, I didn't love this show the first episode or two, and you convinced me to, like, actually give it a chance. And actually, it was when I had pneumonia, I watched the whole season and was pretty blown away by it. It Yeah. Really good, and I think season two is right up there, neck and neck with quality wise. Yeah, I, I think I watched maybe episode one in that season, and then just sort of decided that I would rather binge watch it later on. And I think I had other stuff to watch at the time as well. Yeah, yeah, it's worth catching up on eventually. Season yeah. three won't be here for probably like six more months, so got time. 
Yeah. What's your number two? My number two is uh, a TV show called Aquarius, David Duchovny. Okay. It's about, it's in the 60s, I believe, and there's, I don't know how based on true life it is, but Charlie Manson is one of the main characters in the show. And so uh, anyway, David Duchovny is a detective. Um, he has a partner. He's like a younger kid that's undercover a lot. And he's dressed like a hippie. The truth is um, out there somewhere. The connection with Manson is an ex-girlfriend of his. His one of her her daughter ends up joining like Manson, and that's how. So uh, halfway through the season, they're kind of like button heads trying to get this girl. She's not coming back, so they basically kind of give up on her. And it's more of two storylines going parallel. So there's sort of the cop. It's sort of a cop drama, but it more so deals with the drama of the times with race and this and that. And the younger partner is a little bit more, well, I guess you could say idealistic, but just a reasonable human being. Like, pretty much like standard procedure stuff these days, like Miranda writes and not beating somebody up and tricking them to sign something that says they're guilty and um but I don't know it's it's hard to explain it's episode to episode it does have a storyline throughout the seasons but it's a lot more about the experience of the 60s and everything going on I um I really enjoyed it actually but the company was really good uh, what's that? He's dealing with his son goes AWOL from Vietnam. Oh, okay. He's trying to keep his son out of jail and do the thing with Manson and do his job and everything in between. So, I don't know. I think it's a really good watch. I recommend it. Um, I'd probably give the first season an 8 out of 10. Nice. I have no idea what channel it's on, though. <laughs> I just had, It was on Netflix. It It has some nudity in it, and I guess cussing. But I thought it was like a regular cable show initially. So. Interesting. Maybe it's Showtime or something. Yeah, it might be. Maybe it's Stars or. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna. Aquarius. It's uh, NBC. Really? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it premiered May twenty eighth, two thousand fifteen. Well, it's, regardless, it's kind of edgy for that. But it definitely has a kind of network feel. Cool. Well, my number two is a movie I was so looking forward to. And it lived up to the expectations I saw in theaters in the middle of May. It's The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and... Nice. Um, I'm, I keep wanting to say Cameron Crowe, but it's Russell Crowe. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't want to get too much into it because we're definitely going to review it and I want to rewatch it. Uh, but I loved it. thought it was hilarious and really, really just loved the chemistry between the two guys. Um, I think it has a potential to grow even more in my mind. I think it has a chance to be like a cult classic. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, think, that's, um... I think you'll love it. Yeah, I tried to watch it. 
or no, I ended up not. Never mind. I was thinking of something else. But I was going to say that with the, the one of the first movies I reviewed, the Bill Murray movie. Yeah. It's kind of a quotable movie. Like, it might be one of those movies that's funnier to watch with people. Yeah, it could be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's how I feel about some movies. They're maybe not the best, but for some reason they're funny. Kind of quotable. Anyway, just a thought. Mm-hmm. My number one is a show you mentioned, Bloodline. All right. Which, long time coming. I think I was the first one to watch the first episode or something like that, and I just never got back to it. <laughs> and you told me it was good. Um, I watched within like the span of a week the whole first season and a majority of the second season I forget why I stopped watching it didn't have anything to do with the show I think I was having issues with my Xbox and the connection or something with Netflix or that's you're, that's funny you're probably like farther than me now really because <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. still like halfway through episode 3 of season 2 just can't find the time right this second I can't quite remember I'm either on 4, 5 or 6 this second really it's been a little bit yeah but, I uh, love the show I, I love this show um, definitely I don't want to give it a rating yet because um, I don't I feel like the first season is almost dependent on the second season a little bit with how the second season pays out I don't know I just want to I kind of want to review the, the show rather than the season. Yeah, because I guess what I'm trying to say is I would like to compare the two. Yeah, it's definitely more of a like a movie that's just cut randomly into like pizza slices. Since instead, it's not like each episode isn't like a standalone thing. It's more of a, yeah, it's building a slow burn towards something over the course of the season. And I wouldn't change anything about the first season, but the first season was a real slow burn and not exactly coherent. Right. Or maybe coherent is kind of like a harsh way of saying it, but it doesn't really spoon feed you too much with the little details and mm-hmm. sort of makes assumptions. It does like usually later on, whatever, kind of go over anything that's important, but. The second season does have a little bit more urgency, and just a little bit. It's still the same show. Yeah, I, I like the direction it's going. Cool. Yeah, uh, my number one shouldn't be a big surprise. Um, Captain America: Civil War. Yeah. Another movie I was really excited for, and I think lived up to its expectations. And again, I'm not going to talk too much because we're going to review it, and I'll just say. Spider-Man, man. <laughs> Love yeah. Spider-Man. Can't wait for the solo movie, and I hope he's really involved in the rest of the, the Marvel movies as they move forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, reviewing this one. Yeah, me too. But that about does it for us on this episode. Um, as always, you know what to do. Email us, the Red Box Report. Yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Redbox Report. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. I'm on Twitter at Redbox Reporter. Like us on Facebook, review, subscribe, and rate us in 
any particular order. I definitely got that wrong. Uh, on iTunes. Tell your friends about us. Yes. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Do what you got to do. Follow us. Listen to us. We appreciate it. So we'll see you next time.